Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by horror icon Barbara Crampton to talk about her role in the new film Alone With You. The film is about a young woman who's painstakingly preparing for a romantic homecoming for her girlfriend. Their apartment begins to feel more like a tomb when she hears voices, sees shadows, and hallucinations that reveal a truth she has been unwilling to face. This is a great little film. I really enjoyed this one and had a great time talking with Barbara about it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. I just ate something, so I don't have anything in my teeth. You seem like you're fine. You're good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, I just watched Alone With You last night, and I was absolutely floored by this film. It was an amazing performance. This is something beyond genre films. This is just an incredible movie to watch. Even if you don't like genre films, you don't care about thrillers. Right. If you enjoy watching acting, I think people would enjoy it. I think Emily is fantastic. And um, I mean, she did everything that she needed to do with this, just, you know, from playing the fear to the franticness to um, just not really understanding what was going on. So the questioning and, and everything in between, I mean, just just crying and, you know, I, I just thought it was an extraordinary performance from her and, you know, really surprised because I, I didn't know these people. I didn't know Emily and I didn't know Justin. And um, the script came to me from my friend who's a casting director. And I knew who the producers were. Mm-hmm. I knew who Andrew Corkin was because I had seen a lot of his movies and thought he, you know, he did good stuff. And of course, Theo James has been around for a while as an yeah. actor and really great. And so when I read it, I really loved the script and I didn't know what was going to happen. And usually I can kind of foresee it, you know, as I'm, as I'm reading something, I go, Oh, this is what this movie is about. This is what's going to happen. But I didn't know. And coupled out that it was a pandemic movie and, you know, shot mostly in their apartment. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, you know, I thought they did an amazing job. So I was really proud to be a part of it. Well, one of the brilliant things I love about the construction of this film is yes, it's a pandemic film, but it's something that'll, I think, transcend yeah. this moment in time mm-hmm. where if you go back and you look at something like Wait Until Dark, that doesn't necessarily, yeah. that, that works. It's just limited storytelling. And this is falling into that category where, yeah, it's about isolation, but who doesn't have that sense of loss and grief and frustration? Mm-hmm. Right. Or it, it, the thing that's really beautiful about this is how it's playing with the idea of what is the, it turns from a, oh my God, what happened to this poor woman to what did she do? And it's just, and there's this point that I start to see that and it's directly with your character actually, Uh where that's where the the turn started happening for me when you have this interaction where it's like something is off here. How were you playing that? Or what was the design of that scene? Because it felt like- was that, that the first one. interaction or the second one? You mean the, the well, the, the the second one is completely yeah. that's that's yes, yeah. all bets are off mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, but there was something that's a little bit off in the first one because it feels like it just doesn't. It feels there's sometimes yeah. when you're telling from a point of view, it's like this feels like it's from the point of view of an individual, not the way that any mom would talk, except for the one moment as a parent when I fucked up and I've said something to my kid, and it's like I realize I insulted them by accident. Yeah. And you have this moment where you belittle her career. 
choice yeah. and say, oh, that that thing you do kind of. And then yeah. the rest of this goes in this other direction that feels like it's a, it doesn't feel grounded in that sense. It feels like it's, this is a interpretation of an interaction, if that makes sense. Well, that's true because you, you realize that when you know the totality of the film and, and the whole narrative and what it's saying is that it it really is from, from Emily's point of view, like what, what, you know, her character, like, what is she, how does she interpret what her mother is saying to her, you know? And I mean, isn't that true about everything in life? It's how we interpret it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing this character that, that is uh, sort of an unforgiving, very judgmental person, but she's coming from her own truth of who she is. And, and then it, you know, it's filtered through the kind of the memory of, of what Charlene, you know, knows from her past and what has, what has happened. And, and you, you, you know, you get an illumination of her character of Charlene's character for Emily's character through understanding where she came from through her, her mother, which, you know, I think is appropriate for the film and necessary for the film as well. And did you film this from your own home? I did. Yeah. Okay. Did you set it up? Were you doing this over zoom or did you just use a regular camera for this Mm -hmm. or how did you, how was that? Both. I mean, they, they recorded me through, through the zoom and also they sent me a camera through the mail. And they said, you know, it was at the height of the pandemic too. So this was at wow. a time when we weren't going out at all. Or if we went to the grocery store, we were bringing our boxes of lettuce home and wiping them off. It was that time yeah. when we didn't know what was going on, you know? Right. And um, and that was, uh, we don't have that house anymore. We sold that house, but uh, it was in my, in my kitchen sort of office area. And I have two kids and my husband was home and I said, okay, I have to film this in the kitchen where everybody is. So you guys, we have a, another place in Tahoe, which I'm actually in right now in, in Lake Tahoe. And I said, okay, you guys go to Tahoe and I'm just going to spend the weekend here and I'm going to film myself doing this. And, and so um, I had to set the camera up, up by myself and figure out how to plug everything in correctly. And Justin helped me and um, set up the microphone. I had to do my own lighting, do my own makeup. I did everything. So this was DIY during the pandemic um, filmmaking. So we, you know, I turned the camera on and we filmed a little bit of me. And I think they might have used a couple of shots of that, but mostly it's it's actually the stuff that they shot through through the Zoom. Um, and we worked on it over the weekend. That's, yeah. It's so crazy how the output that you had over the pandemic. Cause if I look in at Superhost, yeah. I'm assuming that was also filmed. And I, I, I talked to Gracie a couple weeks ago about that oh, one. And it's frozen. Oh, did I lose you? You're frozen a little bit. Christopher. Oh no. Can, am I gone? Today's episode of the Following Films Podcast is brought to you by Bookmans. So last week, I finished reading the book, Understanding Movies, which is a pretty academic uh, look at the history of cinema. And while it's interesting, it's pretty dry. And it gave 
a bunch of recommendations that I you know, took to heart and that I'll be going up and following up on and watching some of these films that have just been blind spots for me, things I need to see. But it's not exactly a enjoyable read. It definitely felt like homework some of the time. So I wanted to continue in my film education. And so when I went to Bookman's this week, I was looking for a film book, but perhaps something a little bit less academic, something a little bit more entertaining. And I came across uh, Nathan Rabin's My Year of Flops. And Nathan's a writer for the AV Club. And he put out this book, I think it's about 10 years ago now. And it's a re-examination of films that were unsuccessful financially when they first came out. And he's re-evaluating some of these films. Were they films that audiences rightfully dismissed or were they ones that were just misunderstood in their time or um, is it something that they're worthy of re-examination some of these films because I think we often conflate financial failure with artistic failure and there's a bunch of films in here that are covered that I'm really looking forward to getting into because I kind of I love some of these films in fact like The Cable Guy which was a movie that I kind of forget that was a failure at the time but that's a really great little film um, another one that's on here that I think is just a disaster of a movie but it's an interesting disaster is the uh, adaptation of Breakfast of Champions it's not a great film and Bruce Willis is woefully miscast but it's still an interesting movie to watch um, Another one that he covers is Southland Tales, which was admittedly a financial disaster, uh, but the movie's phenomenal. It's honestly one of my favorite Richard Kelly films to date. It's just such an unusual movie, and um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the, he plays Stifler in the American Pie films. He's phenomenal in this thing, and it's something that I wish people, or I hope people, will go back and take a second look at this film because it's something that's definitely worth re-examining. It's a great little uh, underseen film. Um, he also looks at Battlefield Earth, and that's one that I feel like was pretty terrible, but I'm kind of curious to see what his thoughts are on it. And yeah, it's it, this is one of those things where I'm really thankful that I was able to go into Bookman's to find this because this is definitely the uh, palate cleanser I need after um, understanding film, getting through that one. And I was also able to find uh, yet another Titanic book for my son, which he was absolutely ecstatic um, that we were able to find another reference book, this one for kids, and he loves it. So remember, Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. It was happening to me this morning. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. It's the, um, for some reason I just crashed on my other computer. So I was able to jump. Oh, on. So, okay. Oh no, no worries. No um, worries. You were, so you were, I, I mentioned yeah. Superhost and how the, oh, mm-hmm. the output that you were having uh-huh. in the pandemic. Yeah. And I had a chance to talk to Gracie like about a week and a half yeah. ago. And just what was, that had to be frightening to kind of start taking on these projects at this time Uh when you're actually leaving the house. Yeah. I mean, we, we filmed Superhost when I wasn't vaccinated and uh, I, I went, I did two, two things. Uh, I, I, I did Superhost in Las Vegas with those guys. And then I also did um, creep show in, in Atlanta with, with Joe and, um, and nobody was vaccinated then either. And we just, did the best we could, you know, I was taking a lot of vitamins at the time and being really careful with my mask and, and they both 
both movies did really well. We had our COVID supervisor and it was kind of up to the actors to stay away from restaurants, you know, and um, just get your food delivered to you and try not to mingle with people too much. And so we, we all did our best and thank God nothing happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it looks like I was doing a lot. It didn't feel like I was doing a lot. I did, I did like four projects in a year. Um, so, uh, I guess that's something, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, creators have to create. So we would just kept going as much as we could. It's the films that I've seen that you've done in the last several years, though the quality of work has been really incredible. The stuff that you've been attached to um, specifically the, I'm sorry for kind of going off here for a second, but Jacob's wife is literally one of my favorite films of the last 10 years. Oh, wow. The scene where you and Larry are brushing your teeth is (laughs) just that encapsulates a marriage. So wonderfully. Oh my God. Yeah. Me and my wife laughed uh so hard watching that moment. I know it's funny because some of those things, like I have a great relationship with my husband, but some of those things that are in the movie were things that my husband does <laughs> that annoy me. And one of the, the, he doesn't let the toothpaste dribble out of his mouth, but he's a really hard brusher and <laughs> slurping the water. And, you know, uh, I've gotten used to it, but <laughs> it's like, there's a few things that he does that we, we snuck in there and he laughs about it too. He watches it and, um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Well, True. I think any, um, successful marriage and I, and I consider mm-hmm. my marriage to be a successful marriage. We're able to mm-hmm. look at the things that annoy us about each other and yeah. laugh with them. And if you can't, then right. where are you? Well, it's true. And one of my friends said something to me, uh, a number of years ago and I never forgot it. And she, she said, you know, how, how do you keep a marriage going? And she, she told herself the answer and she said, you, you say a lot of, so what? you know, okay, my, my partner does this or my husband or my wife or whoever you're with does this. And you just have to say, so what, you know, because look, you wake up some days and you don't even like yourself. Why would you like your partner every day? You know what I mean? And, and there's something actually in Jacob's wife, as long as you bring it up that, um, that a psychologist, when I was in therapy told me a long time ago that I said, can we like fit this in the script somewhere wherever it could go? And, and something that she told me was, she goes, feelings come and go, but commitment stays the same. And she says that to Robert Russell's character as they're sitting on the boxes right before yeah. he gets attacked. And I don't quite finish, you know, the sentence. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, Travis cleverly cut that off right before the rats came on. Feelings come and go, but commitment does it say the same or does it not? You know, we're going to find out through the course of the movie. And that's really what the movie's about is, is about a marriage and, 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 and couples and how do they stay together? I mean, it's a vampire movie, but it's really, it's really about a relationship. And it's not the obvious way you would approach that relationship as far as who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Exactly. Like, no, you don't want to make anybody, we don't want to make anybody wrong. Nobody's wrong. No. You know, and frequently people try to make other people wrong in relationships. And I, you know, I didn't fault Larry's character and I certainly don't fault my husband when he's annoying me. It's just, you know, or, you know, he tries to take over sometimes. And I try to take over sometimes too, as Barbara. I mean, my character never really tried to take over, but you know, I try to take over sometime, you know, there's a give and take with relationships and you have to have that. 
Well, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's the so what mentality that I think mm-hmm. it's just, is this a fight that's worth having? Is this something yeah. that I actually even mm-hmm. care about at all? Yeah. She seems to really care about this. So I don't give a shit, let it go. Right. Yeah. And that's just, and to me, I think that's just part of aging where now that, you know, 50 yeah. is right around the corner and it just feels like I, as I move on that stuff, it's just putting things in perspective. Right. And that's the last two years has been the ultimate lesson. Oh. I think for me yeah. has been. That's good not caring about small stuff nearly as much as I used to. Right. Yeah. No, that's a lot. That's a sense of maturity as well, you know? Um, And, you know, in the, in this new movie that we're talking about alone with you there, there's an aspect to this that is unrealized because Emily's character, you know, can't quite look at what her mother did to her and say, so what, Yeah. you know, a lot of kids grow up, you know, it's nature versus nurture. Like who are you as a person and how much does where you come from inform who you are and your communications with people. And you see very clearly that how uh, Charlene's mother, my character relates to her has really, you know, not, not serviced who she is as a person. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that's the unfortunate part of that particular story and it's it's something that um i have four brothers and sisters there's five mm-hmm. of us yeah five and, of us too i'm five, oh, one of five. Oh, where do you yeah. fall in the line I'm, I'm the youngest okay i'm number two <laughs> okay but if you ask any of us about our family and what it was like in our household you would hear a different story oh it's true isn't that funny yeah it's so that's a really good point it's so true because it's how uh how your parents really affected you and, and when did they affect you? Did mm-hmm. they affect you when you were younger growing up or did they affect you as you got older and, and inform who you are now? So those are really important questions. I mean, that's what, that's what we do in filmmaking. Like here's a story and this is where it came from and this is what it means. And, you know, that, that's what I love about telling stories, you know, trying to kind of dissect where all the motivations come from. Are you able to go back and watch a film like this mm-hmm. easier than something like a Jacob's wife where you're in almost every frame of the movie? Are you able to watch something that you're not in as much? Is that easier or do you just. No, it's all the same to me. Oh, really? Wow. I mean, I actually watched Jacob's wife the other night because we had some friends visiting us up here in the mountains and they hadn't seen it. And so I, we put it on, they wanted to watch it and I hadn't seen it in probably six months and it would seem like a different movie to me (laughs) a little bit, but um, I, in my, in my, in my early career, I did a lot of soap operas. And Mm -hmm. so I watched myself a lot on screen and um, it doesn't really bother me to watch myself on screen. I can really divorce myself from the character. You know, I always look at myself and go, well, okay, I could have done that moment better or yeah. is that really truthful or, huh? But, um, but I can also look at it objectively, I think, and, and see where the story is and, you know, take myself out of it. And and I'm just a piece of the puzzle, really. See, I, I have a tough time in editing mm-hmm. anything, um, be it writing or an actual piece or whatever that is, because I can't divorce myself from the things I have in my head already. It's very difficult for me to Mm. remove that. And there's assumptions that I make that other people have sometimes 
um, where it's, I assume people have the same knowledge that I do. Yeah. They, that's but really, everybody, no, they come from, like you were saying, everybody, like in your family, people have different viewpoints yeah. on the same exact thing. So everybody's going to read something a little bit differently, hmm. you know, and the only truth that you can control is like your own truth and your own authenticity and, and getting your ideas out on paper that, that feel authentic and real to you while potentially a, a acknowledging that somebody else might feel a little bit differently about it. Absolutely. No. And I, I love that idea. Actually, I, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one of the, that's why I love film. That's why I mm-hmm. love music. That's why I love art. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that you can have a conversation about it and something like alone with you that I think there mm-hmm. could be an element of this where two people could watch this and have very, very different reactions mm-hmm. that, the ending of the movie could be either a tragedy or it could be a comeuppance. So you could see, mm-hmm. I think you could see either yeah. side of these yeah. where to me, I see it really as a tragedy um, mm-hmm. throughout. And it's a very um, emotionally driven piece, but I could see people that keep this at an arm's length and either one of those mm. are valid, I think. Yeah. Well, you and I are aligned because I see it more as a tragedy as well. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I, I guess we can ask them, but, I'm not sure if they wrote it as a tragedy, but I, I do think that there's some similarities in Emily's uh, life growing up to this character, not to this extent by any means, but um, you know, you always put a little bit of yourself into, into your stories. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's an element there of, you know, maybe not feeling accepted and, and loved and appreciated maybe for, you know, who she was as, as a person on her own, you know, and her relationship with her mom. And I mean, I think even the best of us struggle with that. I have two kids of my own and I consider myself to be very open and very supportive of my kids. And my kids have definitely told me things about themselves and their lives and their desires and wants and fears that are shocked me. And I went, Oh, you know, I don't get that, or I didn't feel that way, or I don't want you to feel that way, but um, everybody's different. And you just, as a parent, you know, if this movie's for me is about how I parented this child really unsuccessfully, um, you know, you really have the thing that you come away from this. I hope, you know, people watch it and they, they think, well, that, you know, that mother should have been a little bit more open to, yeah. you know, her, her daughter's desires and needs and, and who she was as a person. Well, the, I think as a parent of two as well, if mm-hmm. there's anything that scares me more than um, anything in the world, it's probably that I'm doing permanent damage. I know I'm not getting everything right. I know that there's yeah. plenty of things I screw up, um, but I am, we constantly question me and my wife, yeah. what we're doing. And it's, we never right. think that we have it right. It's, it's, can we do better? What can we do better? What do we do in service of our children to make their lives everything they want them to be? And yeah, I think that's admirable. I think it's just, you know, it's just about showing up, you know, it's, it's never about closing the door because no. there'll be something else and there'll be something else. So it's about showing up to the moment and saying, okay, what now, what is it now? And then just being present and with a loving heart. And I think things, hopefully, like you say, you get most of it right. And, you know, most things will hopefully turn out for the best. God, from your mouth, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Christopher. Likewise. Take care. Have a good day. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye.